How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Listen, everybody got a back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Pays they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can strap it. How they win that game today. There's just one thing you can say. Well, Kevin, I wish we were doing this under a little bit happier circumstances, but I figured you would be a good person to bring on to talk about Bill Shonley, which obviously that's kind of the biggest news in the Blazer world right now is his passing over the weekend at 93. So I appreciate you uh, coming on and doing that with me. Sure. So I guess going back to, do you remember the first time you ever met him or, you know, encountered him? I'm assuming it was probably like when you were uh, with the Sonics in the eighties and he was still with the Blazers. Was that kind of the first time you. Yeah, we, we had a a number of inter, uh, inter, interchanges at that point, but Mm -hmm. uh, I go back to 1979. I just graduated from Butler university in Indianapolis and I was doing a, what they called the pre and post game show, which essentially was like a little 10 minute introduction to the game on the flagship station at WIBC in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I was just starting off and, uh, it was kind of a part-time gig for me because I was at like an overnight disc jockey at WIBC at the time. And, but I followed professional basketball since, you know, I was 10, 11 years old when the Indiana Pacers came to town in 1967 at the old Coliseum in Indianapolis. And, you know, was really captivated by the game, loved the game, grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and, and knew all about the Portland Trailblazers and, and the Seattle Supersonics because we would get those. You'd never get the, the broadcasts out there of any West Coast games in, mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. It was always Philadelphia, Boston, New York. Chicago. Chicago Bulls, exactly. That was it. Um, maybe the Cincinnati Royals. Um, right. But uh, – so I was fascinated with these teams because the uniforms looked different. The, the, the playing style was different. Everything about it was, was different with those teams from the Northwest in the, in the late seventies. So when uh, Bill came to town, you know, they were, they were world champions uh, two, two years removed, I guess it would be. And then uh, I was able to get an interview with him and, you know, stumbled down there and introduced myself and was really taken by, you know, just the presence of the guy, big voice, uh, looked you in the eye, gave you the firm handshake, the full head of white hair, silver hair, 
uh, and uh, kind of a flamboyant style, which I really liked. Um, and, you know, we uh, obviously at that time, the only way you would hear these these great play-by-play voices is through bootleg tapes <laughs> that you get in college, right? And a buddy would have, and you'd, you'd copy the tape and pass it down and so forth. The reel-to-reel. These are reel-to-reel tapes. So I, wait, so 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 it was like, you know, it was like, I mean, I guess like another Blazer connection because one of the other most iconic people in the organization is Bill Walton, who's a huge deadhead. So it's like, so it's like, it's like Grateful Dead bootleg, like concert tape trading was like, well, for, yeah, but, yeah. but for like sports broadcasts. Exactly. Sports <laughs> or, or boss jocks, as they were called at the time, disc jockeys. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and Bill... In his development as a young announcer, uh, spun records at some point. I mean, all guys did. Uh, right. I said guys because there were very few women in the business at that time behind the microphone. Uh-huh. It was just kind of the age we were in. But um, so, I, you know, I, I, I think I kind of I, I like to hope I appealed to him in that just that five minute interchange we had as, you know, a young guy getting a start uh, learning the business. And, you know, I asked him several questions about his club and so forth. And he was, you know, he's forthcoming and great. Yeah. And that was the end of it. But I was, you know, I was trying to go back, rack my mind on, all right, when was the first time you really met Bill? And then fast forward, I actually did the Kansas City Kings in the uh, 83-84 season. It was two years before they moved to Sacramento and uh, ran into Bill again. And, uh, uh, you know, he claimed that he remembered me and you know, he, he welcomed me into the league. And so it's forth. always, it's always fun when somebody who's like that big of a deal says yeah. they remember you. Cause you yeah, always, yeah, yeah. you're always just like, Oh, he's just trying to be nice. Like you don't actually know well, if it's, if it's... He, he wants you to feel it. He's, you know, right. him and so forth. Cause he, you right. know, he, he kind of knows, you know, he's got some gravity there, a little gravitas yeah. and, uh, and you're to a degree or, you know, you're a little intimidated by his presence. So yeah, he was very good. He was, he was that way with everybody. I think that's what everybody remembers yes. about him is just the way that he put everybody at ease, uh, you know, when they were around. They knew he was the voice, uh, as I used to call him. I used to call him the voice. And I called the great Bob Blackburn the voice as well. You know, there's just something about being mm-hmm. an original voice of a team that uh, resonates with uh, fans and communities for years and years and years after these great voices of uh, have left the air. You know, that to me, that yeah. was... Uh, that, that was the value and uh, the intrigue of, of, uh, of meeting Bill Walton. Or I, well, <laughs> well I Bill Walton same, also, but. <laughs> the same way when I was around Bill Walton, uh, when, I, when I met Bill Shotley. Any of those. Yeah. When you meet any of those great iconic players, broadcasters, whoever it is, that you grew up watching as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, you have that impression uh, of them. And, and then when you meet them, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. Uh, Chick Hearn also with the Lakers, I'm sure, was oh yeah, one of those two. Yeah. Chick was uh you know, and I, I put him in that category with Bob Blackburn, uh Chick Hearn, Bill King. It was the great play by play voice of the Warriors for many years down in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh all the, hot rod Hunley at, at Utah, uh Hots was was phenomenal as well. I mean, these guys in my mind were sort of pioneers of uh, of, of sports broadcasting play-by-play. They're sort of second generation of the original guys like Marty Glickman, who was the original voice of the New York Knicks. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people go back and the whole Syracuse group uh, identifies Marty Glickman as kind of the genesis for play-by-play out there. And then, of course, the Albert brothers with Marv and, and Steve Albert was a, just is a phenomenal announcer as well. And Al did a terrific job as in the NBA for a long time. So, you know, you put Bill into that category as well uh, and represented, of course, 
uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, the, the, the state of Oregon in the Northwest, you know, uh, in exemplary fashion around the league. Yeah. And then you started to, kind of, I guess, be around him a lot more once you took the Sonics job in the 80s because that those teams, you know, it's obviously yeah. the, the Portland-Seattle rivalry was a thing and those guys oh, would play, play each other several times a year. So oh, yeah. I'm assuming you just kind of got to know him a lot better then because you guys are just around each other a lot I, more. I did. I, I did. And, you know, Bill, Bill took on a different air at that point now mm-hmm. with me because now he saw me as a uh, – and, and graciously so, saw me as a contemporary because now I'm, I'm in the league. It's 1987. I'm with the Sonics, and I've established myself for a couple of years there. Sonics, uh, in that period of time, were in transition. And, of course, the Blazers were phenomenal in the early 90s, going to the, the World Championship two or three years and uh, you know, just wreaking havoc on the West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were victimized, the Blazers or the uh, Sonics on several occasions. And uh, just remember when the, uh, the Sonics finally got a foothold there in the early, uh, about 93, when they went to the conference finals and, and lost to the, uh, the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and uh, Detlef Shrimp and that group, Sam Perkins. You know, it was just a great group. Percy Hawkins would later join, join the group. And always tremendous matchups against mm-hmm. Terry Porter and Clyde and Duck, uh, Buck Williams, uh, that, that that whole group, Uncle Cliff, um, uh, phenomenal competition. And Bill, of course, being the the uber blazer that he was, would kind of give me, he'd kind of give me the cold shoulder a little bit on game days. You know, this was... This well, you're the enemy. You were the other guys. <laughs> Even the broadcaster's <laughs> the enemy. <laughs> and I... I, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I was uh, imagining things, but, uh, it, you know, we kind of wanted it that way, too. I, it just, it made it more fun, I think, for for everybody when, the, you know, that rivalry really ratcheted up. And I know George Carl was the one that really instigated that. You know, he could, he came in, and I, I remember him saying publicly, just to understand the kind of the, uh, the, the affinity that the two cities had for one another. He wanted to get in there and stir things up. He wanted some vinegar. He wanted some salt, you know, and so they... Uh, they re-energized, I think it was the, um, it was a brewery and they had a cup that every year that the, the Blazers and the Sonics would, would, would vie for. So, um, uh, it's a local brewery. I can't recall offhand, but the I-5 rivalry, the point yeah. is, uh, it was stirred up, uh, once again, and it was very impassioned and everybody got involved, even Bill and me and Blackburn. <laughs> so let me ask you this, as you know, you're coming up in kind of the broadcasting industry you know in the you know as you're saying like the late 70s early 80s it was kind of when you were first you know getting started coming up and obviously you know you were talking about like you had the different tapes that you were getting of different broadcasters and you know i assume bill was kind of one of the ones that people looked at as oh sure the the standard what what i mean rip city come on rip city well right when you when you coin when you coin a phrase like that that becomes like the phrase associated not just with a franchise but with a city but in your, you know, in your own, like, you know, professional opinion, I guess, as somebody who's been doing this for, you know, obviously you weren't doing this as long as, as long as Bill was, but you've been in the game for, you know, a minute at this point. Uh, what, like every, obviously every, you know, Blazer fan and every person that has like, you know, has their own experiences with Bill and listening to Bill kind of has their own like things that they love about him. But in your opinion, as you know, a fellow broadcaster and a very, you know, accomplished broadcaster yourself, what made him so great as a broadcaster? Like even taking like the personal stuff out of it, like just as a broadcaster, like why was he one of the best? 
Well, the voice was commanding, and uh, for for starters, I mean, you, you, that, the voice cuts through all the din of the mm. the crowd and uh, the over amped uh, speaker system and everything that's going on in the gym. I mean, you can you can hear that voice cut right through it. Uh, for starters, uh, his uh, enunciation it was crisp, uh, it, and you know, he kept it simple. He kept it simple. Uh, not a lot of analytics, not a lot of numbers, uh, a description of what he was seeing in clear, clean, precise terms, um, what he was feeling at the time. You could tell it. You can hear it in the voice. Think about Bill. Think about really good radio guys. Uh, and I consider myself a radio guy that's doing TV. Um, is that you can hear the tone of the voice and tell where your team is at how they're playing that night. I mean, within about 10 or 15 seconds, a really good guy without hearing the score, uh, anything in particular that would tip you off. You can hear the tone of his voice and you can tell, Oh, you know, these, it's not a good night for these guys. You know, Bill's not feeling it tonight or, uh, you know, they, they're running away with this thing and he's just having a grand old time. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be at a, you know, he, he wouldn't be anywhere else at this point. The, the really good ones, uh, the ones that I've, I've told you about, you know, Bob Blackburn in Seattle and Bill King and, uh, Chick Hearn in, in, in Los Angeles did a phenomenal job. Oh, my God. But, you know, Chick was uh, one of the best at that, listening to that tone of voice, and you could tell what was going on. And then Bill would add those catchphrases of his uh, that would kind of intrigue, you know, the Cyclops or uh, taking it through the equator, and then you, you'd get to the court. and Okay, I got it. I see that. I see that now. And so, you know, you wouldn't take on his – terms necessarily but you kind of come up with your own phrases and you you know you do so many of these games that you come up with the catchphrases and terms for different locations on the floor or um maybe nicknames of a player and so forth you know where you've shortened the name or you've you've given him a uh, a nickname that the team has given him during practice or in some occasion of, of that nature and it all draws the fans in and makes them feel like yeah we're at home we're a part of this uh he's our guy uh, he's going to be there every night for us, uh, behind the microphone. And, uh, we feel comfortable with him, you know, relaying the signal to us, that, that signal that's bouncing out over there, over the airwaves. It has always intrigued us. And it's been such a mystery. None of us could, none of us behind the microphone could tell you how that works. Uh, it just does. And, yeah. uh, when it resonates with the fans, that's when, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's clicking for you. And, and Bill was, uh, he was one of the best. Yeah. Uh, and you know he was he was still by the time you you said that this is how how many years have you been with the you 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 came over in what 16, 15? I came over in sixteen. Okay, and he was still kind of around. Oh yeah, the he organization. Was the Bill was uh, the ambassador, you know, until he retired last. Up until year. last year, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And and so like you know how, what was you know kind of did you you know when you first came on like was he was he somebody you talked to before you took the job was he somebody that was like you know. He's one of the first guys who called me after I got the job, uh, welcoming me to to Portland and and to the and to the broadcast, uh, which meant a hell of a lot uh -huh. to me. Uh, it really did. Uh, when so many were doubting me at the time uh, here in the market, he was one of the first to reach out and uh, and and greet me, and uh, you know that that really resonated with me. It meant a great deal to me uh, because I hadn't. When you say I, doubting you, is it just because, like, you know, you think a lot of fans were like, oh, well, he's a Sonics guy. He's a Seattle guy. Why is he coming here? Was it, is that kind of what the... Correct. Yeah. Bill, Bill, of course, was a Seattle guy. Uh, yeah. So 
and there have been several Seattle guys that have come to Portland and have been successful here, whether it be player, general manager, coach, owner, broadcaster. So, and Bill, uh, you know, to agree, let me know that. And, uh, <laughs> nice. But, but, and then, and then did he kind of, I'm, I'm sure he had like, you know, because he's, you know, been here from the beginning, he kind of, when you took the job was kind of telling you like, this is what you need to, you know, you know, he had some probably insights for you about, uh, well, the organization and about, you know, no, the that, fan base that he's sharing you that stuff with you or not really. Uh, what he did share with me is he always felt like he still had the juice and he wanted to do games. Right. And he still wanted. I mean, he's so at this point, he's 85 years old and he felt uh-huh. like he, he still wanted to do some games. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that was that was difficult, uh, obviously, for him. Um it, it always is when you're doing something you really love and you have a great passion for and you think you're hitting it out of the park and the fans are asking you about it and you're going to the grocery store here in Lake Oswego or you're, you're in Portland having dinner uh, downtown and people are asking, you know, you know why aren't you on the mic any, anymore? That's yeah. it's hard to explain when you don't have an explanation. So um, I, I was, but I was always happy to be in his presence when he was the ambassador at the game. And I would always tell him, you know, you mean a lot, just be it out here. Uh, being a part of it. Uh, I know this is not calling games, but, you know, just to be in the arena is just a blessing to be, you know, in my mind, to be affiliated with an NBA team in any way. Uh, you know, and if you're out there representing and you're on the court, it, it did mean a lot to us and to the players and I know to the coaches to see him out there, you know, greeting us, shaking the hands, coming by, saying hello. Usually he would come over to me and lean in and go, don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, tra- Travis uh, Demers talks about this all the time that he refuses to let himself be called the voice of the Portland Trailblazers because, in his opinion, there's only one person that ever can well, actually have that title. You, you know, the thing is, though, you've got to assume, and I understand uh, Travis's humility, and he's a terrific young talent. He uh, is, yes, and but he will, I think learn to know that, uh, you know, he, he represents the organization. He's got to wear the mantle now. You know, the baton has been passed. Brian Wheeler was a phenomenal, yeah. I mean, a, one of the greatest radio guys I've ever heard. Um, and unfortunately, his health situation caught up to him. God love him. I'm still in contact with him. He How's he doing? I haven't talked to him. Well, he's, he's been in and out of the hospital, unfortunately, uh-huh. and uh, had, a, had a spell at home for about 10 days, and now he's back in the hospital. So he's, you know, he's trying to get get himself uh, situated and, yeah. and get, get the weight under control and the other health issues that he has. Uh, but he's in great spirits. Every time I talk to him, he's, he's upbeat, he's positive. He's laughing, telling me a, a story. Yeah. Um, I should reach out to him. I haven't talked to him in a Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He watches all the broadcasts. Uh, he's, I mean, he's nails on the, on the team and he knows what's going on and the inside yeah. and so forth. And, uh, you know, he was he was around for better than two decades uh, following Bill Shanley, which had to be yeah extraordinarily tough to follow that act. Well, uh, he was more my like because I was I would Bill's last year as the full time broadcaster was what, 92, 93, 90, I thought. OK, it was so it was like and, and see, I, so I was born in 89. So like, yeah. My like wheels oh, was wow. much wheels yeah. was much more my childhood right. memories right. of you know growing up here and l- watching games on TV, listening to games on the radio. Like that was wheels was much more my well, and you know, era and than what, Sean Lee. And we were talking about what makes a what what makes these guys great. Uh, and wheels had those same attributes. Yes, uh, big voice, uh, tremendous 
command of the language, uh, the articulation he uh, in a, a short phrase could give you a real indication as to where the team's at, how they're playing, but without giving the score again, he falls into that category as well. Hear the tone of his voice, wheels us up, wheels us down, wheels us sideways yeah. <laughs> with the team. So you knew. So Portland's been, been blessed with some terrific uh, announcers over the years yeah. uh, that have rolled in here. You know, when you consider the the analyst, Steve Jones, just did a, a remarkable job for all those years. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Doucette, who was on TV uh, when when Sean's decided to go back to radio and Eddie uh, did the TV side. Eddie Doucette is a he's an iconic voice as well out of Milwaukee, you know, and who turned that uh, that big shot of, of Kareem's the yeah. skyhook. Uh, when he was in Milwaukee. so Even Lamar right now, I think, is one of the best. Oh, Lamar Hurt, yeah. I, he's one of the best I've worked with. I work with a lot of, I mean, a lot of analysts. And he's uh, top two or three in my book, without question. Without yeah. question. You know, you, great command of, uh, of basketball knowledge, uh, obviously. Yes. Um, just in terms of X's and O's, uh, the rules, um the presentation is is excellent. Um, his <laughs> why why if you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why good question why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Why? Why? If you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.